Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. Hi, and welcome to episode 175 of a Love Food Podcast. I'm Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I am so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. I want to start today's episode asking you a question. How did you learn that you couldn't trust your body? Or how did you learn that you weren't feeding it correctly? These are really important questions. And this episode does a deep dive in a person's experience, you know, having a really kind of neutral, maybe even boring, but yet consistent kind of stable relationship with food until they went to college. And then during that transition, food became fun and pleasurable. And then it was almost like the brakes were pulled and they looked and they're like, oh my gosh, my body, it looks so much different. And the cycle of restricting and binging just started to take over their life. And five years later, they're still in that kind of restrict binge cycle. I'm wondering if you can relate. Well, we do a really big, deep dive. And by we, I'm referring to Carolina Gazar. She's a dietitian that I've gotten to know over Instagram and have met a few times at conferences and has some really amazing, compassionate insight that I think will be beneficial along your food peace journey. But before we get to this episode's letter, I wanted to tell you about a new project I'm working on. It is called the After the Letters Project. So I have decided to stop pursuing any kind of ads or sponsors for this podcast. And instead, what I'm doing is making another kind of mini podcast just for patrons over on Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com slash lovefoodpodcast, you will find many different ways to support the Love Food Podcast, but especially this one I'm really excited about called After the Letters, which is basically I take a question from you, the listener, and dive really deep into it. So we've had uh, topics like how do I do intuitive eating while trying to be smaller? Or how do I get unstuck? How do I stop emotionally eating? These are all concepts that are explored and there are many episodes that I release weekly just for patrons. So again, go on over to patreon.com slash lovefoodpodcast and you'll get to all the details. All right, enough of all that. Let's get to this episode's letter and hear from Carolina. Dear food, as a child, I never thought much about you. 
you were just the breakfast my mom made in the morning before we went to work. She put my brother and mine's breakfast on a tray and lay it on her bed as she got ready. Usually you were something easy to make, eggo waffles smothered in syrup or scrambled eggs and ham with milk or orange juice. You were just the lunch my mom packed the night before, a sandwich filled with meat, cheese and mustard, chips, and sometimes a couple of Chips Ahoy cookies. Since my mom was a single working mother, my abuela would pick my brother and I up from school to take her to her house until my mother was off work. We would be given vanilla ice cream with chocolate syrup while we did our homework. FYI, my mother's side is Cuban, and if anyone hearing this is Hispanic, they will understand that potatoes and rice are vegetables. My abuela was an incredible cook and would always prepare some sort of meat with rice, black beans, and fried savory plantains. My favorite meal was chicken fricasse, dark chicken meat, potatoes, olives, peas, and onion cooked in a flavorful tomato sauce. Looking back, I didn't know much about you because I wasn't able to explore you. You were just something that was put in front of me and I was told to eat. Every now and then we had some alone time when I went out with my friends or to a drive through after I got my license. I came from a very frugal family, so our dinners out would be Chick-fil-A, Panera, or Domino's. It wasn't until freshman year of college where we finally had alone time. Starting college, I was thin and felt good about my body. As the year went on, I was overwhelmed with having free access to all the foods I love on my meal plane. Chick-fil-A, Aubon Pan, Panda Express, Starbucks, and food halls filled with candies, chips, ice cream, and more. I stuffed my face with you, thinking nothing of it, while I went out drinking four times a week. Nights out usually ended with late night eating with friends. By the time spring break came, I realized just how much damage you had done to me. My clothes were tighter, my stomach was bigger, and my face had filled out a lot. I didn't look like myself. When I went home that summer, I made a pack with myself that I would work out and eat healthy. I wanted to see what my healthiest body would look like. I wanted girls to envy me and boys to desire me. I started to run every day and do a workout video off YouTube. I stopped drinking for a month. I did a ton of research on healthy eating. Food, you changed into something I ate to give me the body I became obsessed with having. You changed to a form of rules that has damaged the way I see you even now. I ate cooked chicken and 99% lean turkey with no oil and only cayenne because I feared olive oil would make me fat. I only ate fruit in the morning because I read that sugars metabolize differently in the afternoon. I only dress my salads in balsamic vinegar because of the high calorie grocery store dressings. When you became the rules, the way I viewed everything changed. I was addicted to the praise I received when I got results and didn't see anything wrong with what I was doing because I was certain it was healthy. I had a boyfriend that summer who knew about my obsession with healthy eating. Every now and then, him or his family took me out to nice dinners where I allowed myself to eat and drink whatever I wanted. But that's when it goes dark. Instead of being present, I would obsess over the food in front of me. I would eat past the point of full because I saw it as my only time to have this unhealthy food. I would be having a conversation, but I was really thinking about eating everything and anything I could get my hands on while I could. Even after dinner, I drive out to CVS to get my favorite ice cream or candy. After these episodes, I was convinced people could see the food I ate on my body. People noticed the cycle, and I've received a few comments that my motto seemed to be all or nothing when it came to you food. 
The next day after my binge, I'd feel so guilty and ashamed, and I'd go back to only eating healthy and working out until the next episode. I didn't realize the cycle would stay with me for the next five years. Of course, our relationship has slightly changed over those years. I'm 24 and in my first two years of the working world. When my nutrition journey first started, I did grow to love fitness, but now that I'm not active throughout the day at a desk job, my body is a little heavier than it was in college. I constantly aim to go back to the super skinny and fit shape I used to be in. I do my best to eat healthy and meal prep every week. I think about food constantly and often create meal plans and create them when I'm at work. Every now and then, I try to convince myself I'm okay and I can have that piece of chocolate if I want it. But every time I have a bite of something unhealthy, it triggers a binge cycle and I find myself checking out of the grocery with Swedish fish, Sour Patch Kids, and Oreos. I kill myself at the gym X times a week. I'm constantly buying meal plans and fitness plans that promise amazing results. I stick with it a few weeks and then get frustrated when I don't see immediate results. I go from having faith in myself to do it on my own to finding a new and shinier plan that will get me there. My binge episodes have become more frequent in a week and I'm sick of it. Now I have the same feeling I did my freshman year. I don't recognize this body and I'm constantly torturing it. Food, you're taking over my life. When will this end? Aren't you sick of this like I am? How can we get to the point where I feel safe with you no matter what? Sincerely, Exhausted. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey there, Exhausted. Thank you so much for your note. And wow, what a complicated journey you've had with food. It sounds exhausting, like you said. So many ups and downs. And while I appreciate what you said and what you're pinpointing as the problem, I'm wondering if you and I are seeing it from different perspectives. With all that being said, I think we need to dive deeper into the topics you bring up in your letter. And what we're going to do now is we're going to hear from Carolina Gazar. She's a dietitian that I've gotten to know over Instagram of all places, such a wonderful place. And I've also met her a few times at conferences. And I have a feeling she's going to have some insight for us to help us move forward. Hey, Carolina. It's Julie Duffy Dillon. How are you? I'm doing great today. How are you? I'm fabulous. I'm so glad to connect with you. I know we have a chance every like once in a while at, at the Fancy Conference to connect in person. So it's great to have yeah. time to chat. And I am so excited to talk to you about this letter. Did you get a chance to look over it yet? I did get a chance to look over it. It was, it was pretty heartbreaking. I know. Totally, totally heartbreaking. And Oh, so let's, let's dive in and explore, um, you know, when you were reading through it, I feel like there were so many really important things that this letter writer was bringing up. What's your 
general impression about what this person's experiencing? So yeah, there was a lot of nuggets in there and sort of more generally, I think the, the first thing that really struck me was the first part of the letter that talked about her early relationship with food. And it seemed very, it was like a very practical, sort of like easy, almost like a dry relationship with food in her early life. And somewhere along the line, it changed. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the thing that sort of struck out, stuck out to me the most. And then the other thing was she, she really has deeply internalized the thin ideal. And that was sort of the other thing that stuck out to me. Yes. I, I, I felt the same way about the beginning of the letter. You know, this person's describing a really neutral, maybe kind of boring, but yeah, very practical. Mm-hmm. Although as I say boring, I'm like, no, it was more than that because mm-hmm. there was definitely a consistency and a nurturing and like this person was taken care of, you know, by different people and their family. And so there was like a, it wasn't identified as like nurturing, but I kind of got that sense from it. You know, I don't know if you did, but. Oh, no, totally. And, and, you know, she brought up her grandma. And I think one of the other things that came up was the connection back to cultural foods that were Cuban. Mm-hmm. Right? So there was that aspect to it where it seemed like the base of the diet was more sort of Latinx foods. And I think that probably, you know, it seems like she's sort of gotten away from some of that based on my impression of the letter and gotten away from the nurturing aspect of what food actually is. Yes. Yeah. That is such a good point. Cause I, part of what I was kind of struggling with like as the transition from living at home to living at college, there seemed to be this transition and what was, um, I don't know if the transition, if, and if anybody or you or anyone listening would label it as like a trauma or, but like just even just like the change it's a, and a change can be traumatic at times, you know, for all of us, it's a tough transition for just about everyone I've ever talked to, you know, leaving home for the first time. And, um, yeah. And how then, the focus was on the body instead of like, I want to look a certain way. And that's the first time it was coming up. And then also the cultural connections with foods no longer were named. Well, and and that's, it's interesting because I think college, when you think back on college experiences, you know, depending on where you go, sometimes it's really far from home. You would think food is sort of that thing that connects you or has the potential to connect you back to home. And in her case, it was almost like an opposite because I also, as I was reading the letter, even though she never mentioned going hungry, there definitely was sort of the scarcity mm-hmm. aspect to her relationship with food. And I, you know, I sort of wonder being away from home and now having access to all these foods that maybe she didn't have access to at home, like what sort of impact did that have on her relationship with food? So you've got mm-hmm. sort of this maybe some anxiety about being far from home. Then you've got all this sort of free, uh, free food on a meal plan and sort of just general anxiety about, you know, a new schedule and making friends and trying to fit in. And I think all of that is sort of this perfect storm for um, sort of getting disconnected with your relationship with food. Yeah. Yeah. And I, one of my, um, when I look back on my own college years, I have some really warm, fuzzy, like wonderful memories of 
um, ordering food late night with mm-hmm. people that I'm still close to now, you know, and, and part of how we connected was over the food. And so when this letter writer was describing those, I was thinking about my own experiences. I'm like, oh, those are such warm, fuzzy memories of like ordering breadsticks or getting bagels <laughs> late at night. And, um, you know, I can appreciate how like, especially adding in the scarcity that you were describing that may have been occurring earlier, um, how that would just complicate things. But then the way that I kind of like was reading the letter, it, it almost seemed like she, this, this person was saying that this was like a, a bad thing, you know, that, oh, I got so comfortable in it, you know, and, uh-huh. and um, I don't know if you were kind of in, in the same place or if you were connecting to it in the same way, but that was one of the things I was thinking about. And I, I think, you know, I had the same experience. I remember freshman year, my God, I was obsessed with um, beef and broccoli, white rice, and a Coca-Cola. Like I'd have it like multiple <laughs> times a week. And Sounds like, yummy. Um, it's, it's delicious, still is delicious. I, I would order it with my roommate. And it was just, I don't know. It was, again, like these warm, fuzzy feelings. And there's something sort of cozy about it, especially I went to school in an area that was cold, like very cold in the winter. So I, I'm wondering how much this letter writer got comfort from food when maybe other parts of her life felt a little bit, um, maybe uncertain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, when this person realized that their body had changed in the process, mm-hmm. it seems like that's when, um, things got really, like, to me, I think I was labeling the darkness as a different time than the letter writer. That's one thing that I was like, I think I'm labeling it a, a differently because I, I see the, like, the soothing and the comfort and the connection with food to be, a, like, a positive, you know, instead of this negative. But um, but then yeah. when she, like, was like, wait, my body's wrong now, um, that's yeah. when I'm like, oh, no, that's when, like, it seemed like it got really hard because then it became this vehicle to, like, perfectionistic body types and an idea, like you said. Yeah, that's definitely the impression I got. And I also sort of wonder, I remember more recently, I saw someone, I think on Instagram, talking about how, you know, you're still growing into your first year of college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I wonder how much of the weight gain might have just sort of been natural. Yes, and I was wondering the same thing. Yes. And, you know, it gets blamed on drinking and, and food, but I, I'm sort of like, well, is that, was there also some sort of natural uh, involvement, you yeah. know, some natural waking that was supposed to happen anyways, regardless right. of the food intake? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the freshman 15 is what is always like the blame for weight change yeah. in college and that people are moving to, to like gluttony or something. But um, I, I feel so lucky that I got to teach three semesters of nutrition through the life cycle yeah. <laughs> many years ago before I had kids. And one of the sections was on adolescent nutrition and I had to mm-hmm. really dive deep into every part of it. And mm-hmm. I was, yeah, the, the research basically was like, if people are going to college after high school and um, that time in our life when we're 17, 18, 19, like right in there we're supposed to on average gain around 10 ish to 15 pounds. Wow. And then they call it the freshman 15. I'm like, no, it's just the end of <laughs> adolescence, you know, cause we really are an adolescent until we're 25. Right. So like, it's just the really helping our brain continue the rest of the development. And, and of course diet cultures twist that to mean, Oh no, we've let ourselves go. You know, that's also interesting because if there is sort of a brain development component to this, I wonder then what the restriction 
that might happen sophomore year after you know you get home and you're like, oh, I, I gained weight. What sort of impact does that have on brain development possibly? Yes. And how much more college students would get out of their education if they weren't distracted by restriction? Well, you know, considering all this, you know, because I know this letter writer said they're in their mid-20s now. And um, what would you consider to be some first few steps forward? So I think, you know, I sort of touched on it earlier, which was I, I wanted, I want her to think about how food scarcity has impacted her relationship with food first growing up and what was it like to have that freedom in the early years of college? Did that bring her joy? And now how is food scarcity coming up? Because mm -hmm. now it seems to be less about, now it seems to be more focused on, you know, she's going through sort of the binge and restrict cycle. So there is sort some sort of scarcity thinking going on and I want to know more about that. And I want this person to think about that. Mm -hmm. That's sort of the first thing. Yeah, that's really important. Do you have any um, things that you find helpful for people when they're in that cycle of binge restrict, like how to, I don't know, just move in the direction that we're needing to go? Yeah. I mean, the first thing, a couple of things, I, I think this is when the intuitive eating principles come to play, which is making peace with food, making peace with your now body, uh, realizing that dieting doesn't work, that restriction doesn't work. And I think that that's definitely sort of the first place I start with people is like talking through that and something, you know, the other thing, this is an Evelyn Trivoli question, which is where has the focus on food gotten you or the focus mm. on food gotten you? And I always am asking clients this. And I think that might be a question that should really be front and center, which is like, you know, this focus on food and weight, is this something that you want to continue for the rest of your life? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they, they, this person has a choice, you know, um, in a sense, they could um, continue and continue to restrict or um, try to make their body smaller than mm -hmm. it sounds like the body wants to be at. And yeah. then where, you know, where the body is in a place where you don't have to fight it mm -hmm. or, um, move towards permission and acceptance and healing because you can't, can't do both at the same time. No, yeah. <laughs> I, I tried that with clients for a little bit. Don't me too. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you know, these are really um, helpful things. And before we move on to the food piece syllabus, were there any other kind of nuggets of wisdom that you think um, you would recommend or is it time to move on to the next? Uh, no, I, one last thing. I think also I want to know or I want this person to explore why so much of her self-worth is tied up in her appearance and what is it about the thinner body? Like what is she getting from that fantasy, right? I heard, you know, in the letter she talked about she got a lot of praise and it sounds like a lot of external validation and what I'm wondering is why does she rely on this so much and what are ways that she can start to build up that validation more internally? Mm, that's so good. That's so, I feel like it's such an important kind of thing to consider. And um, something I appreciate as a tough sell that like people want to, that I work with individually. I don't know if you see this too, Carolina, but it, People are like, I just want to stop binging. And, and, you know, my stance is like, you know, your binging is helping you with something and probably many things. Yeah. And um, 
if it's something that you're not wanting to do anymore, well, taking it away is not necessarily something that's feasible or like, like let's find other things that are helping you to add to it. And eventually the binging just won't become the, like the thing that needs to happen, you know, and, and it, but it's still there if you need it, you know? And yeah, so searching for what are the, how else can this person feel valid or seen or heard or whatever kind of external validation yeah. the body was giving her, you know? Exactly. And, and I think, you know, some of it, and this happens to a lot of people, they don't know that they can give that to themselves. <laughs> so, and it's definitely a muscle that you have to build up over time because the reflex for a lot of people is to criticize themselves and, or be very harsh on themselves. You know, I hear a lot of the self critic is very active in a lot of my clients and it takes a while to build up that other voice, that nurturing voice, that compassionate voice. But the more you sort of take time out to listen to it for it and to cultivate it, then the easier it is to access it. And that then eventually becomes the default. Yes. Yes. I um, feel like that's so powerful. You can mm-hmm. give it to yourself. Exactly. Yeah. You can, you can, you don't have to rely on some kind of external force. You can, you can give it to yourself. Oh, that's so great. So um, Carolina, we have something on our podcast called the food peace syllabus, which is a collection of resources like uh, blog posts and books and anything under the sun that really helps our food peace journey. And if you are a listener that doesn't have the most recent updated syllabus, go to juliedillonrd.com to get your most, um, the most updated one. And would you like to add anything to it? Yeah, I would. Um, actually, I'm, I've created an online course with Melissa Carmona, who is at the, Spang- at the Spanglish Therapist on Instagram. And we've created a course on intuitive eating and body image healing for Latinos. And I think something like that would actually be really useful for this letter writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And anyone listening, I have a feeling there's going to be people listening who can relate to this letter writer and um, benefit from your course. And where's, where can people find out more about the course? So we have a website. It's um, latinxhealthcollective.com. And you'll get the information there. Right now, um, you know, the goal is eventually to make this a standing, sort of a freestanding program that people can purchase at any time. But right now, um, we just, the way that we're offering it is sort of like a, a group format. And over time, we're hoping it can then turn into something that's sort of standalone and people can take it whenever they want and at their own pace. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, I'll put access to, or not access, but the, the link to that in the show notes. And if people want to find out more about you and learn more about your work, where's the best place for them to go to do that? So right now I'm pretty active on Instagram. Uh, the handle is at la underscore eatthority, which is E-A-T-H-O-R-I-T-Y. And my website is www.eatthority.com. Awesome. I will put links to that in the show notes too. Thank you so much, Carolina, for your time and your expertise. I really, really appreciate it. Of course. Have a great day. So there you have it. Letter writer, I hope my conversation with Carolina Gazar was helpful to you. I hope it gave you some different insights, some different ways to kind of sift through this complicated relationship you have with food and your body. 
be sure to check out uh, her work on Instagram. I do enjoy um, all the things that she's bringing up in Instagram and also check out her online course at latinxhealthcollective.com. All right. So I see food has written back, but before we get to food's letter, if you are looking for more ways to promote food peace, check out the After the Letters project on Patreon. You can get to all the details at patreon.com slash lovefoodpodcast. If you enjoyed this episode of the Love Food Podcast, I would love it if you left a rating, review, subscribed, or shared the episode. Doing any of these really small acts of kindness really help the show grow. They help more people find Food Peace when they're on their podcast app. So again, I appreciate anything you can do just like that to help more people connect with the show. All right. So until next time, take care. Dear Exhausted, our relationship took such an unexpected turn. We used to have an open, mutually respectful way within your life. You didn't always have enough, yet food communicated nurturing and stability. As you transitioned to college, we saw you doubt yourself. Who taught you that your problem was your body or how you were feeding it? This tug of war is exhausting and making peace will be hard work. Consider what made you look outside yourself. Which unmet need was being filled? Answering these questions will help you find that you are the solution to your craving. Love, food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food Podcast. Do you want access to more food peace? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.